All right, our text is John chapter 10, uh, chapter 20, excuse me, uh, verses 24 through 29. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. You may want to put your bulletin in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because we'll be going to there right away in this message. But uh, for right now, John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29 is our text. Now, we've spent the last seven weeks looking at the last sayings of Jesus Christ from the cross. We've Put a lot of emphasis on the cross. But don't forget, the cross is of none effect without a literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it is just as important. You've heard me say that. The, cross, the resurrection is just as important as the cross, and it really is. So I want you to listen closely as we go through this message today. In John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, we read this. But Thomas... One of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now shall we pray, Father, as we look at this, your word, we begin to see the great importance of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that if there's one again under the sound of my voice who does not know that if they died today that heaven's their home, I pray that they will not waste their life. They will not waste this opportunity. They will not waste their eternity but instead would have the wisdom to turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we would ask this, in that name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our text takes place actually a week after the Lord rose. Now, if you read verses 19 through 23, that's the first time that he uh, appears unto the disciples. He's risen from the dead. He, he saw Mary Magdalene first, and then he sees some... Uh, others on the road to Emmaus, and then he stops in and sees these disciples all that same time. And then the disciples are there, the doors are locked and everything, scared to death, Jesus appears. They, they can't wait. Thomas wasn't there. You know, if you're not there on Sunday night, you miss something, okay? He wasn't there on Sunday night and he missed out, all right? So he should have been there. Well, uh, the next week, he shows up. He's there. He's meeting with them. And Jesus appears. And so, 
I, you know, I wonder, why didn't Thomas believe them when they told him of this? And especially after Jesus had so often had said something about he would go to Jerusalem, they'd crucify him, and he'd raise from the dead. Why didn't he believe this resurrection? You see, the resurrection is just as important as the cross, although today more is said about the cross. But it's just as important. And I want to look at that today. It's important as the cross because of what it accomplishes. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to begin with verse 11. Or verse 12. Let's start with verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. And there we read this. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, they are talking about a bodily resurrection. What you have to remember is that Jesus Christ, although he was God from eternity past, although he is Emmanuel, God with us, he is 100% human and has a human spirit. And so, he is 100% man and yet he is 100% God equal with the Father. Now, verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. If he is our perfect sacrifice and, and the substitute for us, he is the father of the new life. The Bible calls him the second Adam. As the Adam, the first Adam, and he sinned in his flesh, and we inherited that sin nature. Therefore, men are born to this world as sinners. Every man born into this world, every human that's ever been born into this world, except for Jesus Christ, was born into this world as a sinner headed for hell. And unless he has a Savior, hell's his destiny. Every man needs a Savior. And so, here we read in verse 13 that uh, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ himself, because he was fully man, is not raised. His humanity had to be raised by his deity. In verse 14 he says, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. In other words, let me put it in simple language. If he is not bodily risen from the dead, then you and I are wasting our time here today. I mean, this is a waste of time. If he is not risen from the dead. If there was not a physical resurrection, you and I don't even need to be here. But verse 15 says, Jay. And we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. In other words, the apostle says, we just basically told you lies. If Christ is not risen, because, you see, he had to represent us in a human body. He had to shed his blood. For us to resurrect. And if he doesn't do that, then we are headed to hell. 
We have an eternity in a lake of fire. So it was important that he bodily rose from the dead. Besides over 500 people seeing him at once after his resurrection, and the various apostles, his brethren, and others, it is still important that we understand that today, the people will try to say, well, there was only a spiritual resurrection. No, it was a bodily resurrection. He goes on to say in verse 16, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. If Jesus Christ didn't bodily raise from the dead, your sins are not paid for. You say, well, how could that be? Remember when he first rose from the dead and he sees Mary Magdalene first and she goes, touch him. He says, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. You see, he's taken the precious blood. He's going to ascend into heaven and apply it at the mercy seat. He does that, and of course, he doesn't have to get on to 747 to go to heaven, okay? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, just like we'll be raptured. But, when he appears a little bit later, same day to those men on the road to Emmaus, and then later the uh, 11, actually 10 of them are meeting there. They can touch him. Why? Because the blood has already been applied. At the great mercy seat in heaven. It had to be physical blood that was applied in order to guarantee a physical resurrection. Now everybody's going to resurrect. Even if you're without Christ, you're going to resurrect. The bodies are going to be different. The person that resurrects without Jesus Christ, they're going to resurrect to a great white throne where they'll be cast into an eternal lake of fire. And that body will not cease to exist, but it will feel pain. It will know torment. It'll know all of that, but it'll never be able to cease to exist or escape from hell. It is there forever. Ours is quite different than that body in Christ. We'll see more about that in just a few minutes. So, again... He is risen from the dead. And then we're going into verse 18. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Jesus, are perished. Now just think, we've done several funerals this year. And you always hear me say, you're not here to say goodbye if you're saved. You're here to say, I'll see you later. If you're not saved, it is goodbye. What he's saying here, if Christ is not risen then the ones that did die are without hope. You'll never see them again. But Jesus is risen. In verse 19 he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now look, there, there's persecution for standing for Christ. There's persecution for standing on his word. Look, people, if you're really true to the word, people will make fun of you. And a lot of those people named the name of Christ. They still make fun of you. The world hates this name of Jesus Christ. And if there's no resurrection, and if in this life only we have hope, then we are most miserable. Why? Because that means 
if there's no resurrection, Satan is the victor. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, we read this. In whom the God of this world, who is the God of this world? Satan. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Isn't that interesting? Satan doesn't want you to believe in a literal bodily resurrection. There are people today that say, well, God has, has already declared that he wants some people to go to hell. He's already has a plan laid out and he's predestined them to go to hell before they were ever born. Well, we just read that it's the devil that tries to keep them from believing, not, 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 not God. Again, how many times does he have to say, whosoever will? How many times? Once is enough for me, but the Bible says it multiple times. Now, you've got to decide, do you believe God or do you believe some theologian that has no idea of what he's talking about? I'll go along with God every time. Verse 20 says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now we see the common sense. Romans 6.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. That's Romans 3.23, excuse me, uh, that said all of sin comes short of the glory of God. 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. But the gift, not what we've earned, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God said to Adam, in the day that ye eat thereof, you shall surely die. And that day, even though his body did not die, he was separated from God. And unless he has a Savior, his eternity in a body will be in hell. But even at that point, the Lord promised a Savior. So as in the first Adam, all die. In the second Adam, all are made alive who receive him as their Lord and Savior. And what is the great idea about that? What's so good about that? For what it accomplishes for you and me. You see, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're guaranteed not only a resurrection, but a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. In Philippians chapter 3, in verses 20 and 21, for our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. First John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 says this, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man, every man, every man that hath this hope in him. Now you have to have Christ as your Savior to have that hope. But every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. See, the resurrection is as important to cross. 
if he didn't arise from the dead, then there's no hope. There's no hope for us. Because he represented us, not as a God spirit, but as a human with a human spirit. Now, here's, here, here's Stephen, though. Uh, excuse me, Thomas. We see about him in our text in verses 25 through 28 here, back in John chapter 20. There's no doubt with Thomas. There's no doubt in his mind, whatever, that the disciples are serious about what they're saying. He just doesn't believe it. He can tell by their very countenance, they are serious, they are very serious, but they don't, he doesn't believe them. But why would he doubt? Maybe his faith is somewhat like Peter. Peter and Thomas will one day be martyred for the faith. But during the trial, Peter three times denied Jesus Christ. To a girl. It wasn't a Roman soldier threatening him. It was a girl. And three times these girls said, oh, you're one of them. No, I'm not. Don't know what you're talking about. And he denied the Lord three times. Instead of defending him to the very end. Thomas doesn't believe that he's resurrected because he wasn't there. But you see, there's a reason for that. They all, see, a cross wasn't an unusual thing in that day. It was one of the most cruel punishments ever devised by man. But they had seen a cross. They knew what it was. They knew the place where it would usually happen. There was no doubt about that for them. And the cross alone would make them flee. When the soldiers come there in the garden, And the Bible says they all forsook him and fled. You see, they knew what a Roman cross was all about. He had told them just a few days earlier that he would be crucified. He'd actually be slammed for, and, and, and dead. And they, they knew what the death of a cross was. That's why Peter said, not so, Lord. And Jesus said, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. He knew, they knew what a cross was all about, and it wasn't a good thing, whatever. They did not want to suffer in the same manner as Christ would suffer. You realize that some people actually weren't on the cross just for a day. As Jesus, Jesus was on there for six hours. Some were on there for a couple of days. They would torment them and just keep them alive to torment them more. The cross was a terrible thing. They'd be mocked. There'd be the infliction of much pain. And so the disciples, they'd watched Jesus raise people from the dead. But they had never seen anyone raised from the dead that had died on a cross. They had never seen anyone that raised themselves from the dead. Jesus could raise people from the dead, but could he raise himself from the dead? But God hath raised him from the dead. He was raised by his deity. 
It is said that after the resurrection, I don't know how they know this. I, I guess, there, I mean, there's various writings, but uh, that the apostles actually preached more about the resurrection than they did the cross. I, I don't know how they know that, but I'll know it one day when I get up there and find out. But it's little doubt of why Thomas is, is wondering, could this really be true? If this is true, I'll, I'm going to just test it for myself. I want to put my hand in the, those prints in his hands and in his side. I want to thrust my hand in there and see if this is true. I have a hard time believing this. Not that quick. Even if he somehow raised from the dead, he wouldn't be in any condition to do the things that you said that he would do. And then he says, well, wait a minute. They said they were locked in that upper room. The windows closed. The doors closed out of fear. And Jesus appears in the midst of them. Perhaps Thomas is thinking this. It's probably a devil, some kind of a ghost that has made an appearance and deceived them. I just have a hard time believing that he rose from the dead as Thomas has thought. But, if it is real, then anyone should want to convert to Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus arose. Mary Magdalene seen him on the cross. That's why she wanted to hug him. You know, that's a woman's thing. Hug him, they're sick. You know, if I had been on the cross and survived, I don't want anybody hugging me. I'm going to be hurting all over the place, okay? But, he is perfectly whole. And because of this physical resurrection, because Jesus Christ arose in his physical body, just as we inherited that old sin nature, the Bible teaches, he gives us a new man when we receive him as Savior. That new nature comes through the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we can say this assuredly. Jesus is coming again. Peter and Thomas and the rest of the disciples could never doubt it again. They would never run again. They knew beyond any shadow of the doubt that they too would rise again and all they could say is, Hallelujah, Jesus is coming again. Get saved, get saved would be their message. He rose up from the dead. He rose up bodily from the dead. They knew it. I wonder, since Thomas was the one that said, Lord, if, he, if, he's, if he's dead, if Lazarus is dead, then why go? And Jesus says, We're going to see the, you're going to see the glory of God. And so Thomas says, well, let's go and die with him. Let's, let's just go and mourn with them is what he's saying there. Let's do this. And so when they get there and Jesus is talking to Mary and Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever, I like that, whosoever, whosoever liveth and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus is preaching the resurrection. 
And he says, believest thou this? Oh, that's the key. Believest thou this? Well, now he knows that they didn't see a ghost. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. And suddenly everything that Jesus had been telling them is now true. I wonder if, if Thomas's mind went back to John chapter 14. In verses 5 through 7, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And ye know him from henceforth. From henceforth ye know him, and you have seen him. Now Thomas's, Thomas fully understands what Jesus said. Now it's dawning on him. Oh, that's why you should read the Bible every day and meditate on it. Sometimes you won't get it right. Most of the time, I don't get it right off the bat. But through the days and through the time, God begins to reveal things. Just remember his word and think on it. Yes, the resurrection is important as the cross. Why? Because of what it accomplishes. It's important that we understand it in order to be converted, that he rose from the dead. Therefore, we need to act upon the resurrection. And the next, the resurrection is important to be accepted by faith. Look at verses 28 and 29 again. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. You see, this is a true Faith. This is a true conversion. He says, my Lord and my God. When I, when I got married eight years ago, um, or it's actually right here in 1969, right here I got married, okay? But when I got married, the vows said for the lady... To love, honor, and obey. Mine was to love, honor, and cherish. Okay? Now, back in that day, nobody had any problems with those things. Today, there's a lot of problems with that. Me, obey him? You know, and uh, it, boy, I tell you, they have a lot of trouble. But you know what? Sarah called Abraham Lord, not as a God, as a deity. The idea of submission. But the reason for that is that your marriage... As a wife, you're supposed to be showing other folks who are without Christ that we are to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Men, yours, yours, yours is a lot harder because you're supposed to be showing to the world how Jesus loves us. See, he's not a drill instructor. And you're to model how the Lord loves us to your own family. Yes, you've got to say yes, and you've got to say no. You've got to have standards. 
but you've got to love them all the way. True, holy love never compromises the righteousness and holiness of God. Please understand that. So, believing isn't only believing the fact Believing is acting upon the fact. In James chapter 2, verse 19, it says this. Believest thou that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Whoa. What's he saying there? He said, yeah, you believe the fact. That's not faith. Just believing the fact is not faith. Rather, it's send him as the Lord and Savior. In John chapter 5, verse 29, we read this. And some shall come forth, and they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. That is, they receive Christ as their Lord and God. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation, they did not receive him as their Lord and God. And that is why the resurrection is so important. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead is not only a historical fact, but it's the spiritual foundation for the Christian life. He is Lord. He is God. But He doesn't force salvation on you. He offers it freely. You either accept it or you reject it. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, we read this. Repentance toward God. Why? God is the Spirit, and all sin is against God. Well, I wasn't trying to do anything to God. I was just mad at my neighbor and punched him in the nose. Well, all sin is still against God. Repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Believing that his death on the cross paid for all sin because 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that all sin for all time was placed upon him. He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Repentance towards God, faith, that is in the death, burial, and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And just like we made a commitment in this auditorium 50 years ago. We also find that, that when you make that commitment, it's forever. It's forever. Why? Because Jesus Christ keeps his word. And what you're doing in coming to him, you're admitting your sinful state. You're admitting, I deserve to go to hell but you know Jesus loves you and that he died for you and he rose from the dead and you want to receive him today as your Lord and Savior. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He is your God to worship. Your God to call upon. Your God to pray to. He is your Lord to serve doing his bidding and his will, not our sinful, self-righteous desires. Thomas, John, Peter, those are great names that we think of today. The Apostle Paul, those are all great names. But every one of them had to admit, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. 
My friend, joining Central Baptist Church has never saved any soul. Getting baptized in this baptistry up here has never saved a soul. The only way you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is taking Him at His word, believing that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, and that Jesus Christ and Christ alone is that Savior. Believing that He was God come in the flesh, who died for you and rose up from the dead, paying your penalty in full, you call upon Him to save you. And just like we said words in our wedding vows, but those were just words. If we'd walked out of here, I mean, we did that rehearsal night. We was in the same auditorium, same place, but we walked out different ways. She went one direction, I went another direction. Nobody's as surprised as I was, she was back here again the next day. But, but we come back, then that time was real, because we walked out together. That time we walked out together. You see, a lot of people have said words like, Jesus come to my heart and save me, as if it was Hocus pocus. Okay, I'm, I'm saved now. I can just go on and leave him back here and I'll just go on to where I want to go. No. You're coming to Jesus Christ. You're coming to him. Is he your Lord and God? If not, if you come to him, his promise, who doesn't lie, he'll in no wise cast you out. Won't you come to him? Let's bow our heads, please.